This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O dot We want to hear from you. As a Daily Drive listener, your feedback is important to us. Please take our short survey about your listening preferences to help us improve your experience with automotive news podcasts. The survey will take about two minutes to complete. Just go to autonews.com slash podcast survey. Again, that's autonews.com slash podcast survey. We appreciate your help and look forward to hearing from you. Welcome to Daily Drive. For Thursday, July 20th, 2023, I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Tesla could license its full self-driving system to other automakers. Volvo's earnings tumble. And auto loan rejections are at an all-time high. Plus, we'll dig into Tesla's Q2 earnings with our own Lawrence Iliff. It's fairly amazing that they have been able to maintain their margins and, you know, other financial numbers after slashing prices, you know, after cutting prices, depends on the model, but, you know, 10 to 15 percent. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Tesla CEO Elon Musk says a major automaker is interested in licensing the company's full self-driving software. He did not name the automaker. On Tesla's second quarter earnings call, Musk likened interest in the full self-driving software to agreements made with other automakers to use the company's supercharger network. We are very open to licensing our full self-driving software and hardware to other car companies. And we are already in discussions with, uh, early, dis- early discussions with uh, a major OEM uh, about using the Tesla FSD. Uh, we're, we're not trying to keep this to ourselves. We're more than happy to, to license it to others. Tesla's so-called full self-driving software and hardware do not make its vehicles autonomous. It is classified as an advanced driver assistance feature similar to those offered by other automakers, which require a human driver to be in control at all times. We'll have more on Tesla's second quarter earnings news later in the show. Volvo says it saw a 54% fall in second quarter operating earnings compared with the same period last year. It says earnings before interest and taxes fell to $488 million, which is less than half of its earnings a year ago. Volvo says that's because last year's Q2 profit was boosted by a one-off gain from the listing of its Polestar EV brand. Excluding joint ventures and associates, its second quarter earnings for 2023 rose about 40%. It expects healthy demand for its vehicles despite pricing pressures. Supplier Magna International says it will spend $790 million to build three new factories in Tennessee. They will provide Ford with components for its upcoming electric pickup production there. Two of the factories will be built at Blue Oval City, Ford's 3,600-acre manufacturing complex in Stanton, Tennessee. That's where the automaker will build next-generation electric pickups and EV battery cells, The complex includes a supplier park, and Magna said its plants there will be the largest supplier factories on site. Magna is North America's largest auto supplier. It says it will build EV battery enclosures, vehicle frames, and complete seats at the factories starting in 2025. And the Federal Reserve says the rejection rate for automotive loans reached 14.2% over the past 12 months. 
For the first time since the Fed's quarterly survey began in 2013, that number exceeded the application rate, which was just under 12%. The Fed study says the total number of applicants getting turned down for credit of any kind reached its highest level in five years. Rising interest rates and cautious lending are two possible factors for the steep rejection rates for Americans applying for credit. The increase is across all age groups and the highest among those with credit scores below 680. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, the Fed says the rejection rate has reached its highest in five years. Now, we've been seeing people still spending money and buying cars. But do you think this will affect this bouncing back auto market? It's definitely going to be a challenge on the retail side of the business. You know, a lot of what we've seen this year, uh, much of the growth has been on the, from the fleet customers, the, the businesses, the governments, the rental car companies, uh, buying the vehicles that maybe they put off buying for a while during the pandemic. Uh, you know, consumer demand has remained strong, but credit availability is absolutely crucial for selling vehicles. Uh, most people don't walk onto a dealership lot with fifty or $60,000 uh, ready to spend. They need to borrow. And if they can't get approved, they can't buy a new car. Interesting. Coming up, we'll hear from our own Lawrence Iliff about Tesla's second quarter earnings and the possibility of a major automaker licensing the company's full self-driving software. That's next on Daily Drive. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for a trade appraisal missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves, from appointment scheduling through final confirmation in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane, GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Tesla remains willing to sacrifice profits for volume growth. That's what CEO Elon Musk told investors yesterday on the company's second quarter earnings call. That strategy certainly showed in the numbers released yesterday, while total revenue surged almost 50% to nearly $25 billion. Net income rose only 20%, reaching $2.7 billion. Our own Lawrence Iliff has been covering the story for us at Automotive News. I reached him at his home office in Silicon Valley, California. Lonnie Iliff, welcome back to Daily Drive. It's great to be here. You've had a busy, uh, let's call it 20 hours or so since Tesla released its second quarter results. What stands out to you the most? I think that it's, uh, it's fairly amazing that they have been able to maintain their margins and um, there, you know, other financial numbers after slashing prices, you know, after cutting prices, depends on the model, but, you know, 10 to 15 percent. And then they've been offering some incentives and, um, you know, different Wall Street analysts had different estimates on where their like gross margin would come in. 
which is, you know, a very good measure of how the company is doing in terms of profitability. You know, by some, they beat it a little bit. And by some, you know, it was down a little bit. And, you know, uh, year on year, it was down from 25 to 18. But still, they are, you know, selling a lot of cars, slashing prices, adding incentives. And they're still, you know, in, in really good shape financially, even though the stock has been down a little bit since earnings. I just looked and since the price cuts in January, mid-January, the stock has still doubled, even with the recent small losses after earnings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, the the, the margin compression is significant, uh, but it's not devastating like it could no. have been. Is there a sense that this is is temporary and will pick back up, or is this just kind of the new level, more in the teens than in the twenties, uh, given the volume and and where it's playing in the market? Yeah, you know, the, the Tesla executives, as you can imagine, you know, they didn't want to talk too much about like the near term. They're like, oh, but in the future, we're going to have, you know, self-driving taxis and we're going to have, you know, robots and all this crazy stuff that, you know, um, you know, is a reason why they have this, you know, sky high evaluation, like a tech evaluation rather than an automotive evaluation. But he did give some hints. And the hints, he said, you know, as interest rates go up, car prices have to go down to, you know, match supply and demand because obviously interest rates for most buyers make a car more expensive, make the payments more expensive. People are very sensitive to car payments. And then he said, it seems like we're in a deflationary period, right? Inflation is going down. You would expect interest rates going down, although that's not what the Fed has said, right? (laughs) And so, you know, analysts that I read about today were suggesting, you know, maybe there could be more price cuts in the second half because he didn't rule them out. But at the same time, my sense was was more like, you know, Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, literally said, you know, I get a automated email every week and I can see all the orders and all the production. And right now those are tracking, right? They're matching. And that's what we want. And with a little bit of um, factory downtime in the third quarter, right, uh, he said they're going to have a little bit less production. He didn't put a number on it. So that might, you know, relieve some of the pressure to cut prices. So I got the sense that they're kind of where they want to be. You know, if you look recently, one thing they've been doing is rather than cutting you know, like the the price when you go to order a Tesla, which is the normal way to buy a Tesla. If you go into the inventory, inventory will be discounted two, three thousand dollars, and you'll get some other perks, you know, free supercharging and stuff. So maybe they're going to do a little more incentives as opposed to actual price cuts. But I don't think that they have any problem raising or lowering prices as you know Elon Musk sees fit. Yeah, they've definitely set the tone for EV pricing, right? As they have so many things in the EV world. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, prices were, were high. Costs were going up with the, you know, demand for lithium and all the other uh, minerals. And then, you know, Tesla kind of wasn't seeing the growth they had wanted and said, okay, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna stay on our growth trajectory, even if it means cutting prices. And, and so many companies have followed. I mean, certainly Ford has taken a lot of cuts to to its prices of, of already unprofitable EVs. 
Was there any talk about, and I realize a Tesla earnings call, they're mostly talking about Tesla, but has there been chatter among the analysts and all that about, you know, what Tesla's pricing strategy does to companies like Ford and GM? Yeah. And I've, I've asked some analysts specifically about that so that we could have the conversation. And, um, you know, I think Ford's a good case, right? Ford's a good test example because they have a direct competitor to the Model Y, the Marquis, which generally has been doing well since its launch. They have the Ford F-150 Lightning and, you know, Tesla has its Cybertruck coming. They have some volume, right? So it's not like they have a ton of back orders and don't have to really worry about prices, you know, like maybe if you have a Hummer or a Lyric over on the GM side. But on the Ford side, you know, they've they've had to go toe to toe a little bit with Tesla and they've been willing to take, you know, a page out of the Tesla playbook and just like you know, saying, OK, we raised prices too much or they're too high. We have to cut them. And I think both in the case of the Maki -E and the Lightning, right, you know, the prices were just kind of too high for the market. You know, they had raised the base price of the F-150 Lightning from 40 to 60 and now they came down to 50, which, you know, seems a little more in the ballpark. and. The Mach-E was kind of priced, you know, high, like for the base model, you kind of had to like, you know, load a lot of stuff onto it. And then you got, you know, into the fifties and Tesla, the Model Y was just a better competitor with more stuff. So they had to adjust there. Now I did hear from someone over at GM and they basically said, you know, that's not our strategy, right? You know, just kind of, you know, cutting prices and stuff. And I talked to analysts and there's other levers. There's uh, interest rate, right? There's subsidized leases. They have to go through dealers. I mean, you know, cutting prices is kind of not the traditional legacy model. And maybe, maybe Ford and Tesla and, you know, Jim Farley and Elon Musk, there seems to be, you know, some, some bond there, some relationships. They were the first to jump on the superchargers. They said nice things about each other. Elon Musk has said that the F-150 Lightning is an attractive vehicle. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that's a, that's a good way uh, for now of looking at it is that, that some automakers might be a little more inclined to, to, to the price thing. And some of them are saying, you know, we have other levers we can pull. You alluded to the Cybertruck, you know, they Tesla just announced that they've started uh, production or very, you know, very limited production and looking to really ramp up next year. Did Elon Musk or any other executives shed any further light on Cybertruck plans, what the pricing or volume expectations are like? Again, it's, you know, reading the tea leaves of, of what they're saying here, but, and, and reading analysts and other people's interpretations, you know, he said that it could be a difficult ramp. He said, we hope it's not going to be a difficult ramp if there's 10,000 parts and processes and the ramp's going to move as quickly as the slowest one of those, right? And then he also said, it's a complicated vehicle. It has a lot of new technology, like, you know, technology that we've never had in vehicles before. He said that it wouldn't reach volume production until next year, but there'd be some deliveries this year. I mean, I, I got the, the the hints that I got was that it might be slow going this year. And if it has a lot of technology and a lot of new stuff, it also might be pretty expensive. But, you know, the Lightning starts at 50 and then the, the Rivian R1T, which is maybe more in the ballpark, right? Because it's an adventure vehicle, more than like a work truck with a, you know, kind of traditional body style. Um, you know, those start at around 75 or so with shipping. 
So, you know, I've seen people suggest that at least the first ones are probably going to be pretty expensive. And then, you know, I've seen some analysts saying, oh, we think it's going to be a hundred thousand unit per year vehicle. And then Elon Musk says, well, maybe it'll be half a million if, you know, people really like it. So I think if, if Elon Musk thinks that there might be half a million a year, that eventually they might get down to, you know, cheaper models, but it might be slow and expensive going at the beginning, right? Well, it makes a lot of sense. It was such a striking vehicle, and there is, you know, just a, there are a lot of people who would want one, even if they don't really need a truck. They just want the most unique vehicle on the road, and it will be for at least a year. I'm really curious to see what the demand for that vehicle will be like when it can be ramped up when you can, you know, it's going to be off the charts for the, the really limited production in the first few months. I don't know if we get a hundred thousand out there, or half a million get out there. Is there demand for a second half million? Of course, it depends on the price and the quality and what all those cool new features are, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really an interesting vehicle. It's kind of like a Rorschach test, you know, where people <laughs> look at it and see very different things. And, you know, I've seen, you know, analysts who say, you know, it'll probably, you know, replace the F-150 because it's so capable and everything. And other people say, no, it's completely hideous. The the way the bed is designed, you know, at an angle is not great for, you know, reaching in and grabbing whatever you have in the bed of your truck for a work truck situation. And so I think it's one of those vehicles that really is a big question mark. You know, you can look at vehicles like the Bronco or the Maverick and say, of course, they're going to sell a ton of them. You know, it looks great. It drives great. It's $25,000. But I think with the Cybertruck, it's a real, you know, I think a lot of Tesla fans would like to buy it, but probably not at 80000 you know. That's the Model Y and Model 3 buyers, you know, they're those vehicles, you know, 40, 50, maybe mid 60s. And it's much larger than a Model Y. It has much more technology. You know, I don't know how they could make it for Model Y pricing. And the Model Y starts at 50, right? right, right. And then goes up from there. Before I let you go, I have to ask about full self-driving. Elon Musk talked about the possibility of, of licensing full self-driving, which is you know the company's most advanced driver assistance technology. Given all the criticism of full self-driving, a lot of which is around the marketing of it, autopilot and full self-driving, but given the criticism, isn't it kind of a long shot for them to be able to license that to a, another automaker? Yeah. And, you know, he kind of threw that out there. It was like, like the very end of his introduction and he didn't really, you know, elaborate on it a little bit. And these earnings calls usually have something Elon Musk, you know, talking about some big thing that's going to generate massive amounts of cash, whether it's robots. He didn't talk about robots much this time. Uh, Robo taxis. He talked about it a little bit, but he kind of threw that FSD out there and made the parallel with the supercharger network. Right. So, all the automakers are jumping on the supercharger network because it doubles their effective number of fast chargers, superchargers plus non-superchargers. And then I think he's kind of throwing out there to say, you know, full self-driving could be like the superchargers. Everybody wants it, but this time they'll pay for it, right? Rather than me kind of giving it away, although obviously there's income from people charging at your superchargers. And so to me, it does sound like a long shot. And there were some analysts saying, well, you know, that means that another OEM is going to get deep into Tesla software and how they develop their software and their hardware and how they develop their hardware and how they, you know, make all this stuff work, right? It can get, you know, fairly dicey when you're licensing a very sophisticated technology 
and everybody's kind of working on their own systems. I don't know. I guess it might be how you define a major OEM, right? Is Lucid a major OEM? Is, you know, somebody who who maybe doesn't isn't not very far along with their own system in early talks, you know, I mean, early talks are just early talks. If if you were a, an automaker and you didn't really have anything going on in that software department, maybe you'd talk to Tesla too, right? Yeah. And you're right. We don't know what he's counting as a major OEM. I mean, for my money, if you don't have at least two factories, you're not really <laughs> very yeah. major. Time will tell as with uh, all of Elon's uh, promises. I mean, I plans. guess it could be a Chinese company too. Right. I mean, he didn't, he did, didn't necessarily say that it's like Ford GM or, you know, Volkswagen, whatever. So we'll see. We, we shall see. Lonnie Iliff uh, out there in Silicon Valley, keeping an eye on Tesla and all these uh, EV companies. Thanks so much for your coverage. Great talking with you. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer, as well as our own John Irwin and Isabella Warren for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on quarterly earnings, suppliers, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about how lender and consumer biases affect the auto loan process and whether AI might be a solution. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.